0: Swing long prime.
1: Deep left. Back. Welcome back to another Baseball America podcast. It's your host, Jeff Ponce. Today we are talking Arizona Fall League. It's kind of a, of a, of a hot sheet podcast because I have my accomplice, my favorite bear out there, Josh Norris. Which uh, other
2: bears are in the running?
1: I need to know my competition. Smokey. Oh
2: Smoky. Smoky's Smoky. actually a low key uh firebug. He doesn't yeah. want you to know that, but it's always, you know, the cause you trumpet the loudest is your always your darkest sin. Yeah.
1: That's why I like him. I like dark bears. Uh cocaine bear would be would be number two.
2: Cocaine bear yogi, yogi, yogi.
1: Yogi. yogi. And then yogi because he steals picnic baskets.
2: Well, that's also true, but he he you know, he's he's a common criminal. I don't I don't know how to feel about yogi. The cleanest bear of all these was Cocaine Bear. who was just on the
1: low working for the DEA. He didn't know. You know, he just he thought it was food. He, he didn't know. He um, is. <laughs> well, welcome back. Josh just spent two weeks out, uh, just about two weeks out in the Arizona Fall League. You got some instructs. We got some articles on the site on that. We're not going to talk about that today. You can go. You can pay your money. You can go and check it out on the website. Today, we're going to talk about AFL, guys. You've done two hot sheets now. Uh, week two dropped today. We're recording this on Monday. You've seen some interesting names. I think you've seen every Arizona Fall League team at least twice. Some of them, three probably. <laughs> I didn't really keep track of it like that, but um, there were
2: only a couple days where I did one game. So I think yeah, there was only because uh, the schedule for the fall league was different this year, where there were some days where you could only do one game. All the three games were at six thirty, and uh, mm-hmm. that's. Um, by design, because farm directors kind of run the fall league, and I believe they wanted to avoid day games after night games a lot. Um, you know, if you're playing in Glendale, and then you have to take BP at 10 a.m. in Scottsdale the next day, they don't want to deal with that. Um, that's also part of the reason the day games now are not at 1230, but at 230, which, you know, is, is different from recent years. Um, but, yeah, I don't know how many times I saw every team. Uh, I saw Salt River a lot because there were a lot of early games in Salt River um, because the way the schedule works, there's a lot of early games in Salt River, and then there are no games in Salt River because they have another event. And then uh, most of the games shift to Mesa, so you'll get a lot of Sloan Park action toward the end. But yeah, a long way of saying I don't know how many times I saw everybody, but I saw a lot of a lot of ball.
1: So let me put you on the uh, the hot seat here for a moment if I can. Um, didn't discuss this question off air, so you can uh, you can tell me to shut my mouth. Uh, but who's the best player that you saw out there? Who who is the guy that stood out to you the most? Um, could be somebody that you know, maybe you didn't know about, or one of the prominent names. But uh, well, first <laughs> of all, shut your mouth. Okay. Second <laughs> of all,
2: um, I think it's probably a tie between Tiedemann and uh, Job. They were both really impressive. I got both of them twice and uh, I, I didn't expect what I got the first time out of Tiedemann just because as you've made note of um he hadn't gone very deep in starts most of the year and the first outing was five innings oh holy crap not only does this guy not usually go five innings but usually in the first week of the fall league nobody goes that long so that was a surprise on a couple of fronts and he was pretty darn dominant in mean, three pitches nastiness from all angles Big time fastball, sweepy slider thing, change up. It was, it was really, really good. And the second outing was the same. Five innings, pretty dominant, three pitch mix. He looks, I mean, I I think I said to someone, you know, a lot of these guys you're going to see next year in the big leagues and or the playoffs. If the Blue Jays make the playoffs, I would be very surprised if Ricky Tiedemann's not a part of it. And then uh, Jackson Job. you know, I, you know, I knew about him obviously, but I'd never seen him. And he's you know dealt with injuries before. So I didn't know what to expect um except probably that he would be the best golfer in the fall league given his father. Um but he was pretty darn good too. Four pitches, repeatable delivery, mid 90s, upper night mid to upper 90s fastball, high spin uh slider, a little cutter in there. Nice changeup he can work in every now and then. He did pretty well as as well, pretty well too. And he was one of two pitchers I saw uh, throw with such effort that their hat fell off. So bonus points there. So, yeah, I'd say Job and uh, Tiedemann were tied as the two best guys I saw in the Fall League. Interesting.
1: Yeah. And two arms, which isn't necessarily what. Yeah, well, the
2: Fall League's it. strength in recent yeah. years is not been. It's been pretty public that the Fall League's uh, high profile prospects haven't been the same. Like in 2017. Uh, The Braves contingent, at least in part, was Austin Riley, Ronald Acuna Jr., and Max Freed. And, oddly enough, Freed at that point, I don't think was the highest profile pitcher. That was Tukey Toussaint, um, because of the name, obviously, but he was a big deal. Um, But uh, Freed has uh, eclipsed him just a bit. Just a wee bit. You know, and Riley will always go down in memory. This is a little, this is a tangent. But in that same beer, Lords Goriel, another, uh, another big leaguer, um, check swing. I was filming BP when they let you, you get right up on the cage. Uh, they, she check swing in, in the cage, which you'd never see. And it went right into my phone, which went right into my lip. And I have a little scar on the top, my upper lip as a result. Um, and, you know, that, for that first game, I, for that game, I had an ice pack on my lip and a radar gun in my hand for, like, five innings or something while the bleeding stopped. So, fast forward to the next season, Gwinnett comes into Durham, and I go talk to Austin Riley about his general Austin Riley-ness. And <clears throat> he says, hey, you're that kid who got hit by the by Lurge Gurriel's uh, check swing. I remember that. Well, first of all, I'm not a kid. I'm in my mid-30s, sir. But, yes, that's me. So uh, that's my Austin Riley story and a long way of saying that the Braves sent a hell of a contingent back in 2017. Um, And the league has gotten a little less high profile in terms of prospects since then. Last year, Cardinals sent Jordan Walker and Tink Hentz and somebody else whose name I'm forgetting right now. Uh, They they had a pretty good group. Mason Wynn? That's the one. Mason Wynn. Thank you um they sent all three of those guys it was pretty good this year i don't think there's a real standout group like that but who knows maybe maybe there will be in a couple of years and we'll look back and say hey the guardians sent chase DeLauder lauder and kyle manzardo and look at them they're the bash brothers in the big leagues right now
1: if only um but that uh, that segues a little bit uh, nicely i said it I know, I know, but can't we just let the people not know that? Um, uh, a magician always reveals his
2: tricks, right? That's how it works. Oh, Joshua.
1: Um, so Chase Delator, talk to me a little bit there. Uh, obviously, I've been. Uh, yes, you are. Time, so a lot of them on the Cape Cod League, and uh, but it's been a while. It's been a few years now. So how's old Chase Delator looking? Well, he's looking well. He's looking quite well.
2: Um, I, I said to some scouts out there that, you know, I know the old adages we're not selling jeans here. That guy could sell jeans. That is a 6'4, 235 and looks every bit of it. Um, that is a one of the better bodies you're going to see in the AFL. Holy goodness. Um, and he puts some charges into baseballs. Um, he does hit the barrel a lot. Um, you know, it, he hasn't. Shown it, it up in quite the, the numbers that um, everyone, else, they, you know, your Jacob Marcy's have. But it's been really impressive to hear the loud noises that he's making off his bat. Um, I could see why you liked him. It's not the most conventional swing in the world. It's not a swing that uh, Tom Emansky would teach, although I don't think he taught swings. But it, it works. I, and I really I kind of parallel baseball swings to golf swings, you know, uh, Bubba Watson's swing and, and uh, uh, Jim Furyk's swing worked just the same as Tiger Woods' swing. They're all very different. It's If you can get to the points you need to be on time, then I really don't care. So, And it's, it's working uh, quite well for Chase DeLauder in the AFL. And when he does get it, like the, the home run I saw him hit, where um, I think it was, I think the, the, the numbers were 440 off the bat and 108 on the exit velocity, if I remember correctly. And they looked every bit of that, just an absolute firecracker on impact, and just on a clothesline out to right field at Surprise. That was very impressive. That was a couple innings after Manzardo uh, hit his own, and so it was a uh, it was the Bash Brothers day for the Cleveland Guardian boys.
1: Yeah, um, both of those guys really you know interesting players. Uh, you know, obviously Manzardo is another one who. For different reasons but um sort of needs this afl to raise his profile the latter, it's obviously been the injuries and some questions about you know him beating up on high a competition when you know he was despite the the smaller school background and advanced college hitter and player um, and then manzardo you're sort of looking at a player here where after a really good standout in fact 2022 Things came back down to earth a little bit in 2023, and you saw that sort of firsthand in Durham. Um, did you notice any changes? And I know I'm putting you in your spot here again, but you notice any changes about Manzardo? Anything no. he was doing differently from when he was with the Rays?
2: No, not really. I mean, except for hitting the ball eight a country mile. Like with the Rays, I just never saw it ever. Like I saw him, however many games here at the Deep app and he never unloaded with ball on balls like he did. Uh, in the in the fall league, like that first home run I told you, he went down and got something and put it off the batter's eye in surprise, and that was 448 off the bat. And when the uh, when I think it was Jesse boric with MLB uh, told both those gentlemen that uh, Manzardo had eight feet uh, more of home run. There was little dance was was done, um, and then the next, I, mean, I think the the last day I was there, maybe the second last day, he hit one 460, which was just an absolute missile just crushed off the bat and you know i i had said to this was a little tangent too zach disenzo hit one earlier in the week which i had told Zach was i think i've been doing this is my 10th fall league that's the farthest ball i'd ever the, the hardest ball i'd ever seen hit i think it's just on on sight alone and then manzardo goes and says "Well, top this just an absolute moonshot, which if he if he's playing in Durham, that probably hits off the building um out in right field, which I've never seen done. So yeah, he was hitting balls certainly with more impact than I'd ever seen in Durham. They were a fun watch whenever I got to see the uh who are they? The Mesa Gang. Mm. Mesa gang? Yeah. Yes. I never remember that's the thing. I've out there for two weeks. I don't remember who's on which team except the obvious ones. We're like, you know, Mesa has the Cubs, uh, Scottsdale has the Giants, Salt River has the Rockies and the D-backs, you know, little guys. But, yeah, that was, that was kind of what I saw from, uh, from uh, Manzardo, who was, you know, out there kind of for the same reason as the Lauder. They both had injuries this year. Manzardo was really unfortunate because he got named to the Futures game, and then the day before he was supposed to leave, he kind of landed awkwardly at first base on a, a slipshod pickoff throw and did something to his shoulder and didn't get to play in the Futures game. so.
1: And I think those guys were Peoria, actually, aren't they?
2: Yes, they are the Peoria. <laughs> when
1: yeah. you said it, I was like, I,
2: I actually don't think that's right. They are the Javelinas, because the Javelinas had a lot of prospects.
1: I Well, and I think when you're there, too, because they don't have, like, a set, like, uniform. It's no. like, you remember <laughs> them, like, individually. Like, I feel like it's, a, it's different than going to see – minor league a team versus minor league b team and they have uniforms and names and
2: you know but it's funny else. because like you know you mentioned that there was one year i think it was 2019 where they all had uniforms they were the, yes yes and people hated that oh hated it oh my good i had a couple of scouts asked me before like the first game like are they gonna because they were taking bp in like mesa and whatever they were not taking yeah. BP in their in their parent club jerseys um uh, are we going to do this again? Please tell me we're not going to do this. Please tell me I get to see them in Cleveland jerseys or whatever. And that's what they played in. Yes. If you see my video, you see Jackson Job in the Tigers jersey, Ricky Tiedemann in the Blue Jays jersey, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah. Exactly.
3: Um,
1: all right. Well, you know what? This is a good time, Josh, for us to take a quick break,
3: and we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match.
1: And we're back. All right, Josh. I saved uh, a couple of the more off the radar, under the radar. You, you pick. You pick it colloquialism. It it's, it's I, really I don't cool. know how radars work. Yeah, whatever radar you want, to, it might be over, under. I don't know. It's somewhere. It's it's it's, it's not on the. It's not in the middle of the radar. It's adjacent to it. But uh, two names here who have performed early, I believe, they are the two players who have led consecutive. AFL hot sheets over the first two weeks. The first one being the Padres outfielder, Jacob Marseille, a Chippewa, a mm-hmm. central Michigan alumnus. Uh, talk to me about Marseille because he seems to be one of the hottest names right now uh, in AFL. People are asking about him. I want to know about Marseille. So yeah. Talk to me. All
2: he really does is hit. Like it, it's not like, you know, uh, overwhelming hit or power. He's just hit and hit and hit some more. While we've been out, while I was out there, and I, I didn't, I did see his like only bad game. Um, I think the last game I saw him, it was like one for five with four punches or something. But yeah, he's been making all sorts of line drive contact, and you know, I, I really have not much more to say about him. He's just been hitting, man. He that he's over. We he lead the the fall league in most categories, um, in most offensive categories, and heck of a start for him. I know he's he's. One of the guys that uh jumped up on the radar for the um for the Padres and will probably land pretty highly in their top ten when we release the NL ones here soon-ish. So
3: and then Liam was-
2: Hicks, oh my. Um, yeah. that that first day uh, I saw him, I, mean, I was vaguely aware of him, you know, and he went six for six. Um which hasn't happened in the fall league since 2009 and hat tip again to MLB pipeline research staff for coming up with the name But the last guy who went six for six, that was Jose Tabata who I covered as part of my first baseball covering, uh, my first professional baseball covering job. My first covering job was 2006, uh, Eugene Emeralds. That was an internship basis. But then when I got to Trenton, uh, he was part of the outfield of dreams with uh, it was Jose Tabata and um, Austin Jackson and Colin Curtis uh, so Austin Jackson obviously had the best uh, career of those guys but Tabata had the day in 2009 in the fall league where he got went six for six and so did you know Hicks he, uh, he faced his old mate Takoa Roby, and got a hit off him and then they I think he got a hit off Cooper Jerpy and some other guys um, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And then the next time I saw him, he went three for his first three, like nine for his last nine.
1: What the heck? Yeah. Then then he walked.
2: Then he walked and then he punched. And then the other day, I think probably Saturday, he went two for two. So as I was writing Hot Sheet, I was prepared to put Manzardo number one because he hit that bomb and he had two or three bombs this week. I was like, you know, guy hits 900. I'm going to go ahead and put him at the top. Sure. (laughs) Sure seems he, was, he makes one out all week. I'm going to go ahead and put him at the top. And he's just a guy that should be on the radar. He, It's not, you know, like he's not going to wind up in the top 10 or anything in that system. Yeah. But he hits. It's sure. just an under-the-radar bat. Really impressive.
1: Um, and, in- and what type of players are these guys? So Like Marseille, you know, I know he's hitting for some power, but the power numbers, even during the season,
3: weren't bad.
1: The underlying exit velocity data is, like, real bad um so he's really interesting to me like a lot of these guys because it's like he's getting the most out of all of his contact it seems like he's pretty twitchy too and speedy i i mean i don't know
2: Yeah, it's, that, that sounds about right i mean he's just center field guy i don't know if he's that but you know they also have other guys on that team they can play center field sure the uh, for, for one
1: yeah but,
2: I mean, also the, the exit velocity thing is important, and part of this also is the AFL's pitching is never really the greatest, so that could be that. But we'll we'll see. I mean, I don't have a I don't have a strong take on what he's going to be. I don't know I'm not. I know I'm never going to replace Stephen A. or or anybody like that without having a strong take. Yep, But Skip Norris? I don't know. I, amazingly, I've been called that before for <laughs> one of the most mild little, takes yeah, sure. in the history of man. Um, but, yeah, I, I just – it was it was impressive, but not like, a, oh, my God, this guy needs to be on the top 100 sort of impressive.
1: Okay. Yeah. I, also that, think,
2: I also think there was a couple of days where I saw Peoria where he didn't play. So uh, that's, nice. that was unfortunate luck of the draw. Yeah. But, yeah, he, Liam Hicks, wow. was hmm, That was uh, – I don't think I'm going to see a guy go nine for nine. Over a two game span, yeah. soon. and how did he look in the field? He was fine. Who Hicks? Yeah, yeah, he was. He was fine. He wasn't, you know, wasn't uh the worst back there. He wasn't Yaddy Molina back there. That's but okay, though. That's yeah, I, 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 I it's not Yaddy Molina or Bust back there. <laughs> but, well, he, he held his own, and he, you know, it's part of it was he got to catch at least the one game I saw, he got to catch his own pitchers, like it was Zach Kent and Mitch Bratt. And one other guy Uh, that was, that was day day one of three of my Zach Maxwell hunt. Um, Did that ever come to fruition? Yeah, it did. He was the last, the last inning, the eighth inning of my last game. Finally got him. And then (sighs) my camera failed (laughs) (laughs) for part of the inning. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it caught someone's hair and decided that's what I wanted. So I had to like really scramble. I took half that outing on my phone, and then in between pitches or hits or something, I, I took out the battery of the camera and put it back in and refocused, and I figured it out. But I
1: was apoplectic. <laughs> yeah, it's always it's always brutal when that happens. When like this is the guy and my camera's
2: gone. Oh well, God. like that particular camera had been giving me crap all year. Like it's usually an open side camera, and I'll come back. And it's, I thought the problem was it was too hot, but sure, that's man. not it. Cause it was like in the seventies uh, right. in that particular game, it com- comes back and it just, at some point just decides to stop focusing. So it's like, everything looks like you rub Vaseline on the lens. Yeah. Makes it completely unusable. But uh, Maxwell was wicked. Yeah. For that and it wasn't, you know, he did allow some, I think a lot of run or hit or something like that. But, um, the fastball is as advertised. Um, it plays really, really well, and you can, you know, run it and sink it and do all sorts of things to it. Um, and the breaking ball was pretty interesting too. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, I was very happy because I was, I was like, you know, what? This is the guy I've been crowing about wanting to see for however many days, you know, how, before the before the trip.
3: Yeah. And then he
2: pitched on the fifth and didn't pitch again until the twelfth. I was like, oh. I should – I watched Surprise that day Liam Hicks went. because I thought, okay, he, he'll pitch today. Nope. Okay, so I go see Surprise the next day, which was a little out of my way because it was the one – I stayed on the east side. It was the one game on the west side, so I went to see them. I was like, all right, I'm definitely getting Zach Maxwell today. And it's going to be great because it's Surprise. And it's, if you know Surprise, the media can go down a floor and shoot through the gate, and you get a perfect – uh Line of shot, um, especially if you're using the slow mo camera. Like if you saw my Ricky Tiedemann slow mo whiffs, that's how I did it. I went down because the seats at Surprise are elevated. But if you take the elevator down to the the first floor, you can go stand there where at the gate where all the pitchers come in and, and the umpires come in whatever, and you just shoot through the fence and you get really great views with the like great batter's eye backdrop with the cactus and whatever. Um, but okay, so he didn't pitch that day. That was the um, Um, day that's the prize or the yeah the surprise pitching staff kind of exploded, unfortunately, um, or imploded really, and then uh, the next day I was like okay last day gotta gotta get him, and I thought okay this this has to happen this and it looked like it wasn't gonna happen and it finally did I see this big old big old boy coming out of the bullpen with the Reds jersey on yes finally my life is complete
1: oh yeah. I got him. I got him a lot. Uh, summer of 2021 in the Cape, and he was always a he was always a fun take. Anytime he came in, it was like I feel like, especially when you have a league like the Fall League or the Cape, where there's a lot of players sort of in and out of the game. You're going to get lineup changes that you usually wouldn't get in a typical minor league game or major league game or college game. You're going to get a lot more pitching changes. You got a lot more starters that are going maybe two, three, four innings. Um so, you know, I think at some point, maybe you've seen a few guys before, especially if a scout is sitting on a team, Maxwell was a guy that even if you had seen him before, all attention, like it it seemed like everybody honed in at that point when he came into the game. He's one of those guys, and you know, I, I think for good reason, it's spectacular stuff.
2: Like, yeah, it
1: the was- ball, the breaking ball is good and and the and the fastball. so yeah, yeah,
2: it's just a massive human who. Just comes right at you with fastballs that move and dance and shimmy and shake like yeah. you know, business. It was really fun, and then you know, uh, Emiliano Teodo came in after that, and he's also pretty fun yeah, very uh, much it's interesting because in I was having a conversation with one of their p d guys. Well, I saw Teodo in July, and if you know about Emiliano Teodo. He throws very, very hard, you know, 97, 99, 100, 101. But he went five innings that day and didn't get a single swing and miss on the fastball, which seems hard to do when you throw at that velocity. And I kind of made a mental note. Well, come to find out that right after that start, the Rangers said, No more, no more of this four seam fastball. We're, We're taking it away from you, we're giving you a sinker. And I hadn't seen him since then. And so I had said to B- Bill Mitchell, uh, the god of Arizona, freelance photographer, the mayor of everything good, that uh, I saw this guy, okay, yeah, he throws really hard, you shouldn't get excited, he doesn't get swings and miss with the fastball. Well, first pitch, 98 out of the hand, swing and miss. Dive moves moves down and in on the right-hander. Okay, well, this is new. And he... Struck out like one or two guys in that inning, and the fastball was moving all over the place and getting swings and misses. I'm like, well, something's different. And then, out of the blue, the Rangers reached out to me and said, Hey, what did you think of Teodos' new sinker? And like, well, it was filthy. Like, um, I can't imagine a bigger difference between two fastballs than the one I saw in July against Winston-Salem, where they just were not swinging and missing at it, to this one where it was, it, it had the life it needed to get the swings and misses. So it was, it was really, fun last couple innings um of my trip and now we're at the hardest part of the year which is waiting for next year's fall league yeah (laughs) it's only 12 months until october jeff
1: (laughs) well i uh i'm gonna have a 24 month uh uh, Mm -hmm. you know i'm preaching to the wrong choir here yes yes i don't get to go this year unfortunately uh but i'll be back next year and I'm sure uh, I'll be on the road enough next year, uh, throughout the season. So, no biggie. But yeah, so you're preaching to the wrong choir on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna be so sad when um here's the thing F-Paz is going on just because all my buddies will be out there and
2: okay, but for you, happy. I think Arizona Fall League is fun for you, but it's Arizona Fall League to me is like the it's Rule it. Five draft for JJ it's it's and religious. the cape and the cape for for you, like. It would be like if you didn't get to go to the Cape. Like, you yeah, know, I, uh, you don't even try. Unless, to I'm not a
1: this summer. It's, uh, You know, it's, it's Peter now, man. Peter's the, no, God. no,
2: no. It's you, him, right, it is. <laughs> might be, but like, you, you love the Cape. You love the nightlife. You love to boogie out at the local Dunkin' Donut shop. Uh, no, the, the you, you're never going to shed your reputation as mayor of the Cape or at least co mayor of the Cape. So, Fall League is my territory where I sweat my butt off for, from you know, 9 a.m. till 11, eat a lot of grill, see a lot of birds, do a lot of fun things, and generally live my best life. And I know there are several scouts out there who, if they are listening, are cringing at the idea that the Fall League is my best life, but
1: uh, it truly do you, is. Do you. It's your life, John.
2: It's my life. I do love it. You know, waking up every day going, you know, I can go to a, a 9 a.m., 10 a.m. Instructs game, then a 2.30 Folly game, then a 6.30 Folly game. And the only worry I have is, will my camera run out of batteries? Beautiful. And then it does. It, that's that uh, I was not prepared for <laughs>
1: three games. So there was some... going to get some backup battery packs. I already... I, I have two backup battery packs at all times. Well... For roll. I run so you carry 5 packs with you? No, I carry 2 and I have 3 cameras.
2: Right. That's so the thing is I have 3 cameras and 3 bat- battery packs
1: that I use. My open face cameras are Canons and the battery life on those things Josh is tremendous. I can do about 14 innings in a day on those with, on one charge. Really? Yeah. Cuz I can't They're do- unbelievable. My Sony dude is done by like that camera you're holding. Yes. Yes. Yeah, minicam cam is done by like the seventh inning. Correct. Have, That's I'm, exactly uh, correct. Yeah. I have these two An external battery, and this yeah. this baby, this this old old war grizzled veteran here, which you can see,
2: which podcast listeners can't see, yeah. uh, is held That's together. By, <laughs> held together by duct tape. There's a crack here, um, and then this this old mother scratcher, um, you know, it has to have a special cord to connect to the battery. Yeah. So your cameras are superior to mine which, you, you, yeah, mine would be done by the seventh inning, although these Fall League games and the Instructs game went really quick in the first week. Yeah. It does not sound like that trend is continuing in the second and third weeks. There was one one day where I saw an instruct game and a Fall League game um, in the morning and then the afternoon. There were three total runs scored. And in the Fall League game, it was 0-0 until a walk-off home run by Billy Cook. Then in the nightcap, it was... 1811. So it was like, oh my. Wow. Things have changed. Things done changed as as Biggie might say
1: or did say. And it's uh it does it does often change like that. And some of those games can go on forever when the ball is really flying out of the park. But yeah, or pitchers aren't finding the strike zone. Or both. Yeah, or or both. Um but you know what? Let's uh let's wrap this up. You've given the people a half hour of uh powerful afl insights so i say we wrap this up josh thank you for joining me listeners thank you for tuning in this is jeff pons for baseball america we'll talk to you soon
0: at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place